you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, as we open your word, as we hear about who you are today, um, open our hearts uh, to hear what you have to say to us uh, and to know uh, in our hearts things that often we only know in our heads. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Well, today, um, in, in a little while, uh, we're going to be in Luke 15. Um, so if you want to turn there, you sure can. Luke chapter 15. We're going to jump around in there a little bit. Um, but mostly going to be summarizing a few things. Uh, so if you've noticed, um, uh, there's only one slide this week because, well, one, because I thought we were going to be outside and we weren't going to have any slides. Um, that's one. And two, uh, because um, there's only one thing that we're focusing on today. Uh, for the, the next three weeks here at Bethel, uh, we're, we're going to look at um, three things um, that maybe we believe up here, and maybe um, we had an easier time believing when we were like um, our kids that came up and prayed with us this morning, but oftentimes have a harder time believing the older we get. Uh, and so this week, um, if you take anything else out of this, you're kind of too long, didn't read, if you we're up too late and you want to take a nap, uh, fall asleep after this. And it's just, it's just, I know, I can see you guys. You didn't realize that. <laughs> um, uh, it's these four words. is God actually loves you. Amen? Amen. Um, this is something that, um, again, we sing and know as children, but so often start to forget the older we get. I know that's the case for me. God, he, he actually loves you, and not in a sort of theological way, like, well, God is love, and therefore um, he, like, sort of loves me, I guess, and, and it makes sense in the song. No, 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 really, like, in a real way, in the same way that you, um, and maybe not the exact same way, but that same feeling, that same disposition that you have towards someone that you really love and care about. That is how God um, thinks about you and feels about you. How he actually loves you. Amen. Yes. Uh, louder for those in the back, right? Um, <clears throat> amen. So uh, I don't know about you, but I, there's a lot of different ways that we, uh, we think of God, the ways that we picture God. I know for me, uh, growing up, I used to picture uh, God as, I, I tell this to to people oftentimes as, as what I call the clipboard God. You know, God has a clipboard, and he's able to see everything that I do and say and think, and he's, he's marking down to make sure that I'm like a good enough person in life. And I, and I lived my life growing up as a kid. I was a church kid. We were in a church plant. I went to Sunday school and youth group, and, and when I was in, I think when I turned 16, I got that bass guitar and started playing on the worship band. And, and I would pray, and i journal my prayers at night, and you look at my old journals, and, and they're, they're looking for check marks. This is, God, I, I go to church. I don't, I don't smoke and chew and go with girls who do. Um, <laughs> and, and that's how I saw God. 
Um, and maybe you see God differently, and, and I hope so, uh, because the picture of who God is is bigger than that. Uh, and when I thought about how God saw me, uh, he saw me as a, as a, as a person uh, that just couldn't get it together, uh, right? A person that, that, that failed often, and you know, when I wouldn't get that check mark, I, I could just picture God up there saying, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I'll forgive you this time because I have to. But I really wish you could shape up. Um, but, but the Bible, it actually it talks about God. It gives a very different picture of who God is, especially in, in the Gospels. Um, because we believe, as, as Christians, uh, we believe that uh, Jesus uh, actually reveals who God is to us. That if you want a really good picture of what God looks like and how God thinks about people, uh, the best picture in all of human history is the person of Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because Jesus is, he's God. Yeah, he's God's son. Uh, if you read the Gospel of John, uh, there's one message in the whole Gospel, and, and that message is essentially, if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Because Jesus walks around, he says, I only do what God the Father tells me to do. Uh, we talk about Jesus, the image of God. Next week, we're going to talk about how we can actually know God. And the way we can know God is by looking at the person of, of Jesus. Um, so in Jesus, in the Gospels in particular, the Bible gives us a really clear picture of how God looks at us. And so, of course, there's our, our favorite uh, Sunday school Bible verse, John 3.16. How does that one go? Does anybody? I like the different translations. <laughs> We got the King James Version and the NIV. Um, yeah, uh, John 3.16, if you've ever uh, watched a WWE match and looked it up, you know. It's, for God so loved the world, and we, we pave over this, we go past this, uh, because there are other things that are really important that we focus on, but, but it starts with that fundamental thing. We believe the only reason Jesus came to the earth isn't because God was frustrated or sick of human beings, even though sometimes, I don't know about you, I get frustrated with and sick of human beings. <laughs> it wasn't because God was like, hey, I'm going to turn this car over. I'm coming down there to get you. No. God so loved the world. He loved the world so much, not that he sent Jesus to the grocery store to like uh, buy the world lunch. No, he sent Jesus to the earth to live and reflect who he was and ultimately die on the cross on your behalf, on behalf of, of the world that sometimes is full of people that drive us regular humans crazy, right? God actually loves you. Uh, another great example I like is from Mark uh, chapter 2. Um, uh, Jesus is going around um, healing people and feeding people and teaching people, and he's, and he's having a dinner um, with uh, these sort of, you know, the people that everyone imagined God was probably pretty frustrated with, you know, the tax collectors and sinners. And the religious uh, people were like, you know, they're like, you know, on the checklist, we're in good shape. If we could get other people to follow God's checklist, we might be doing really good as people. Uh, and when the people heard that Jesus, God's prophet, they thought he might be, was eating with tax collectors and sinners, uh, they asked his disciples, they said, how come your teacher, your master, eats with people that can't check all the boxes on this list, people that don't belong, people that, 
that, that don't matter, people that are wrong and bad and messing it up for the rest of us, people that are the kid in class that can't keep his mouth shut and gets everybody extra homework. That's what the Pharisees said. Why is he eating with them? He should be eating with us. We're the good people. And on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. God actually loves you, and not because you're here in this room, and not because uh, you um, try and read your Bible all the time, or not because maybe you, you journal your prayers, not because you serve on leadership, or not because you think the right things or believe the right things. God actually loves you so much that he came a very long way to find you. Uh, but my favorite example of this is in Luke 15. There's three stories, and I'm not going to read all of them because they're long. Uh, Jesus tells three stories in Luke 15. Sometimes we call it the lost chapter of the Bible, not because it's missing, but because it's full of three stories about lost things. And so Jesus uh, says, says this, uh, just after uh, teaching and, and doing a few other things, he, he tells these three stories. Uh, because we hear those same tax collectors, the, the people that messed up checking the boxes, the not good enough people, they were gathering around Jesus, and the Pharisees said, uh, how dare this man welcome sinners and eat with them? And so Jesus, in this example, in this moment, when he was asked about this, he's like, let me tell you a story. He tells them three stories. First, he says, uh, one time there was a shepherd uh, who had a hundred sheep and lost one. You know, we all know these stories. These are classic Bible stories. Uh, and, and Jesus says this, you know, if, if you lost a sheep and you're a shepherd, uh, what would you do? You go find the sheep, right? Obviously, uh, a sheep's worth money. It's valuable. All the other sheep are in the pen. Uh, the shepherd is going to go and find the sheep, and he's going to pull him out of the hole or whatever and pick him up and put him on his shoulders and carry him back uh, to the pen and then Jesus says, when the shepherd comes back with his sheep, he calls all of his friends. Um, these days, he'd probably like post it on Facebook. Uh, and he says, hey, let's have a party. Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. My, my 401k investment looked like it was in real trouble, but I rescued that sheep. And he's back, and let's, let's celebrate. And Jesus says, I tell you that just like the shepherd celebrates when one sheep is found, Wayne was telling me yesterday about cows escaping. And what a problem that, that was when his electric fence died. It's the same thing. You want to celebrate when you finally get him back in. Jesus says, just like you celebrate when you find one sheep, there's more rejoicing in heaven, God's place, over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus is a doctor for the sick. Now, the second one, he says, now imagine a woman loses a coin, uh, you know, a a poor woman, she's got 10 coins, she loses one, she just lost a tenth of her savings. What does she do? She scours the house, just like I scour our house looking for the remote sometimes, right? She's going to find that coin. She sweeps every corner of the house, and when she finds it, Jesus says, uh, she calls her friends and says, come celebrate with me. I lost a tenth of my net worth, and it's been recovered uh, praise God, Jesus says, in the same way I tell you, there's more rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
And so uh, I don't know about you, but if you've ever lost an animal that's important to you, um, if you're a shepherd, if you've ever lost uh, some money that matters to you, you want to find that, and it's worth celebrating after Jesus brings them along. And then he says, now let me tell you uh, a story a little closer to life. And this one's a little bit more fleshed out. Jesus says, imagine there's a man with two sons. So, so first of all, one in 99 sheep, uh, the shepherd goes and finds and throws a party. One out of uh, 10 coins, uh, the woman uh, finds the coin and throws a party. Now, imagine a man has but two sons. And the younger one, uh, he uh, tears up the checklist. He says, Dad, I'm sick of your rules. I'm sick of living with you. I want to go do my own thing. Give me my inheritance now. And if you've uh, ever heard me talk about this story, my favorite way to describe what's going on here, it's, it's really like your kid comes to you and says, give me my share of the inheritance. You know, I, I wish I could take my inheritance right now. How do you get your inheritance from dad, right? What has to, eh. Yeah, that's what the kid's saying. He's saying, I wish you weren't around anymore and I could just live my life. And the dad does something that never would have happened at the time. Normally, the, the appropriate response to your Younger son saying, give me my half of the inheritance is to say, well, I'm going to go ahead and write you out of the will, right? <laughs> but he doesn't do that. Uh, the dad is, 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 is crazy in an interesting, interesting way, isn't he? He gives the younger son half of what he has, and the younger son uh, wastes it and gives it all away and, and, and wrecks his inheritance. And the younger son finds himself poor and, and eating uh, pig slop, the story says. Jesus says the younger son is eating. Um, he, he wishes he could eat what the pigs are eating. And so the younger son finally uh, gets sick of living that way and says, maybe I can work for my dad. Um, I know I wronged him. Maybe I can be his slave. Because at least if I'm my dad's slave, I'll have something to eat. And so he comes back and he prepares this big, enormous apology in his head. And he's like, oh, when, he come, when I come back, I'm going to say, Dad, I, I sinned against you. I failed. I'm so sorry. He has this whole speech planned. And as the younger son is walking up the road, uh, Dad sees him from the, the end of the driveway. And what does Dad do, those of you that know this story? He runs. He runs up to him. And, and Dad gets here. And the, and the boy says, oh my gosh, dad, I'm so sorry. And the dad says, uh, you don't need to talk right now. <laughs> he says, you're home. When he came, uh, let's see, father, I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the, the father, he, he says to his son, <laughs> he's hugging him. <laughs> and he says, uh, no response to the apology of the son. The son apologizes. Uh, have you ever wished somebody would apologize to you? And you're like waiting for that moment to be like, I told you so, you know? No, dad doesn't, doesn't do that. In response to his son's apology, he says uh, to his servants, quick, bring the best uh, robe and put it on him. Bring uh, a ring and put it on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast to celebrate. The father throws a graduation party <laughs> for his son coming home. He says, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost, and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. They throw this enormous party. So if you lose one out of a hundred sheep, you go look for it, right? Jesus says. And they say, yeah, yeah, I suppose. 
If you lose one out of ten coins, you go look for it and you celebrate and say, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Jesus says, well, imagine if you lost one out of two sons. When you found that younger son, you'd celebrate, wouldn't you? Jesus says that's what God is like. Sometimes in the church, we read those three stories, and especially people that have been in the church a long time, and especially, and I'll say this as a pastor, when you're around other pastors, everybody that's been in the church a long time reads this story, uh, and they oftentimes um, were tempted to put ourselves in the position of the father who has lost a son, or the woman who has lost the coin, and especially uh, pastors, because they want to call themselves the shepherd who has lost a sheep. Uh, oftentimes when we read this, we're tempted to be, to be that, to say, okay, well, I'm in the church, I know who God is, um, and, and I should go and find the lost sheep. That's what Jesus is trying to say to me, we, we think, maybe. Or, or we say, I'm just like that woman, I need to go and find lost coins. Or, or I'm just like that father, uh, let's celebrate when someone comes back home. And those, that's a good ending, but it's a wrong beginning, because who is the father and the woman and the shepherd in those three stories? God, God himself, that's not the point Jesus is trying to make. He's not telling us that we should go look for people in this story, not that we shouldn't. He's not telling us um, that we should uh, have extra grace for people, though we should. He's telling us who God is. He's saying, you are no shepherd, you are no woman searching for a coin, you are the lost sheep, Jesus is saying. And if you're here, if you believe you're a Christian, Uh, That's because at some point, you recognize that you were a lost sheep, and you didn't actually have to recognize that on your own. You didn't actually have to search for God on your own. God came and found you. That's what, amen, That's that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you are the lost and found. You are the coin who God searched her whole, the woman, God, the woman in the story, searched her whole house for, swept every corner and celebrated when uh, found. You are the younger son who turned your back on everything, who threw away the checklist, who did everything wrong, but your father still forgave you and didn't just forgive you, but celebrated when you were home. Sometimes in the church, um, the way that we talk about uh, coming to faith Uh, And many of us have used these, I've used these. We've said, have you ever found Jesus? Have you ever said you found Jesus before? Nobody. Good. Have you ever said, have you ever said, I let Jesus into my heart? Or I, maybe, I invited Jesus into my heart. Have you said that one? I've said that one. And and it's not all bad. Um, You know, have you ever said, uh, I made a decision for Jesus? Right? And, and they're, they're not all bad. You know, they're, they're, there's plenty of good in these images. But they, they block one thing. They obscure one key thing. It, they make it seem like the good news is that if we look hard enough, maybe we'll find Jesus like that coin. They make it seem like maybe if we uh, repent hard enough, uh, we, can, we can be forgiven by God. Maybe if we make ourselves good enough, God will find us. They make it seem like Jesus is hidden and we're searching for, for Jesus. Uh, in the Christian church, the last 50 years, we've talked about like the, like the seeker-sensitive movement. We want to be sensitive to seekers, people who want to get to know who Jesus is, and that's all good. Um, but, but that obscures the truth, because the truth is that God is the seeker, and we are the found. 
the story the Gospels is trying to tell, and all four Gospels and Acts and, and all of Scripture is trying to tell this story, is that God actually loves the world, and he actually loves you, and he actually loves the people that drive you crazy, and he loves them so much that he sent his own flesh and blood to the earth to walk and live and die on their behalf before any human being ever imagined looking for God, God sent his son first. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to find you. Uh, in chapter 14, before the lost chapter of the Bible, Jesus talks about uh, a man throwing a wedding feast and sending out invitations to anyone who will come. Uh, God invites God scours the house for the coin. God finds the sheep. God um, chases us. Uh, and I can't remember who said this, that put this in my head, but, but oftentimes in the church, and as a pastor especially, we talk about we want people to be followers of Jesus, to be deci true disciples, which is good, right? Uh, but the first thing that we have to learn before we can even imagine following Jesus is that God first was a follower of you if you're here. God sought you out. You did not find him. And I'll tell you this, I, I don't like to say things this, this um, clearly and strongly, but if you're sitting there and thinking, actually, I think I found God. Actually, I think I figured this out. Actually, I think I reasoned my way to God. Um, you have not found him yet because he has to find you. I don't know about you, when I was a, when I was a kid growing up, uh, God found me, and when he found me, I was a, um, a somewhat, uh, somewhat self-righteous, pretty self-righteous religious kid. One time, when I was in high school, I wrote a paper about how it was bad that other kids were smoking in the parking lot. That describes me as a kid. God found me a self-righteous religious kid who thought I could be good enough to please God by being good. And he found me, and he stepped in, and he said, Todd, you ain't gonna make it that way. But I died for you. Sometimes uh, Jesus still finds me a know-it-all. And by his spirit, he says, stop it. It's by grace you've been saved. And so as we sit here today, as we get ready for a new school year, and all the challenges, and all the uh, frustrations, and all the worries, and all the things that we wish we were doing better and all the things that we wish others were doing better, uh, let us remember this one thing, that we are all uh, one of two kinds of people on earth. We're people that God has found and people that God is still chasing after. And so the one question is, have you let him find you yet? Because he won't force us. He doesn't conk the sheep on the head and drag him back by his hoof. He scoops him up. And we need to let, let him find us. And, and we do that by, by saying, I don't have it figured out, but you sent your son because you actually love me. We pray that prayer. That's one way to do that. Often, um, often we talk about following Jesus, but the Bible seems to care much more about letting us know that God's been following us. And so the question is, uh, will we let God find us uh, in his abundant love or not? Will we treat those who maybe we don't think have been found yet 
with the same love that God has for them or not. I like to imagine what would happen if we stopped thinking of ourselves as good Bible-believing people and started thinking of ourselves as lost sheep who got lucky. If we believed that, how would we look at the sheep outside the pen today? Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, you are a God who seeks and finds. You chase after lost sheep and sweep houses for lost coins and throw parties for ungrateful lost sons because you love them, because you love us in a way that we can't even describe or fully grasp because you sent your son to die before any of us could imagine doing anything um, to get closer to you. You came to us first while we had our backs turned. And you let us uh, human beings put you on the cross and by our sin, you hung there. But three days later, you walked out of the tomb and rose again. And so today, Lord, we put our faith and our hope in a God who finds us and in a God who rises from the dead. Help us, Lord, by your spirit to accept that invitation and stop trying to get in on our own. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite the worship team forward. Let's conclude our service in praise. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.